the title of my message this morning is being strong in the spirit. Romans, five, Romans 8 verse 5 says that those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Don't worry about turning to it, it should be up on the screen. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So walking according to the spirit, or I could say living according to the spirit, means that we can live a life that is full of joy and walk free of sin and addictions and all those things that hold us back from living in the fullness of what God has for us. But in order to do that, we need to change from living according to our physical appetites, those things around us that that we think are, are exciting and great, to living according to how the Spirit of God directs us and also what the Word of God says about us. So it should be every believer's desire to live like this, to live free from all of those things that, that hold us back. But first, if we want to do that, we're talking about our spirit today. And if we want to think about our spirit, we need to understand a little bit more about what our spirit is. Every person has a spirit, a soul, and lives in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 confirms this by the word of God. He says, may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. So this is a biblical idea that we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And if I asked you this morning, what is your body like? You could tell me what your body is like. You might not want to tell me, especially the ladies out there. We don't like to think about our bodies too much, or we might think about it too, a bit too much. And, but we can describe our body because we can see it. And likewise, if I told you that your soul is what your personality is, that's what your soul is, it's made up of your mind, your will, and emotions, you could tell me a little bit about your soul. And I could tell you about my soul. We can, we can usually tell people about, we can usually describe other people better than we can describe ourselves. But we can describe our soul. But if I ask you, what's your spirit like? I think you had, might have a little bit of difficulty telling me what your spirit is like. And likewise, I would have difficulty telling you what my spirit is like. Because I can't see it. I don't know anything about my spirit. So I think this is a subject well worth looking at. It was said of both Jesus and John the Baptist that they were strong in the spirit. And that's something that I want to be. I so want to be strong in the spirit. And as I've been putting this message together, I've been learning a lot about myself and thinking about what is it that I need to do to be strong in the spirit. So if we're going to walk in the spirit, we need to think about our spirit. And i believe that my spirit is here so that's why I keep I'll keep doing that so first of all we need to know what has got what God has done for us so a verse we're going to look at two verses we're going to look at from 2nd Corinthians 5 17 and we can actually turn to if you turn to that 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 17 most of you would be able to quote this this uh, scripture to me are we there Okay, it says, if anyone, is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. 
And verse 20, 21 says that we, and there we, we're talking about our spirit, that we, our spirit, might become the righteousness of God. When we become a, a new, a, a born-again believer, in that moment we become a new creation, completely new, brand new. And at, at that moment we become the righteousness of God. Paul describes us, the born-again spirit, as being a new creation. And all things related to our spirit have become new. And we might know that in our heads, but do we really know that in our heart? Do we really believe that? And we're going to do a little sketch now. If you'd like to come out, you guys, you know, know who you are. And I just want to do, we're going to do a little sketch. Come quickly, please. And uh, <laughs> reluctantly, and I need one volunteer, please, who's going to add a bit of life to this. <laughs> that would be great. So if you could take your, your bits and pieces that you need. <laughs> Thank you. No one volunteering. Come on, Joe. You're going to be the Holy Spirit. How exciting is that? <laughs> so you have one of these. <laughs> okay. And you've got one line, Joe. So the, the, the capes represent the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? See the glory of God. And that's your there one there. So you just put it on the floor if you like. Okay. Okay, you're going to come and stand on that side of Greg. Okay, so I'm going to introduce you. This is Father God. Isn't he wonderful, magnificent in all his glory? This is the Holy Spirit. And this is Jesus. And this is Rachel, who is a sinner. She doesn't know Jesus yet. She doesn't know that she's a sinner. That's your line. I'll prompt you when you're going to say it. So, you're going to, you're, actually, you've got your first line. You're the first one. So, here we are. So, they're all together. Come here, come here close, Joe. You have to come close. They're all together. They're having a powwow. Look, there's Rachel. She really should be here with us. I know, but she can't come because she's not holy like us. Okay, so Father says to Jesus, Jesus, I've got a mission for you. Can you go and take, go to the earth and take the blame for all of the sins of mankind so that they can come and be holy? So Jesus goes to the earth. He turns around and he goes on the, and he's on the cross. And then the Father sends the Holy Spirit to Rachel through a person. And the Holy Spirit shows Rachel what she's really like, that she really needs to be forgiven. You take take that off and show her all this. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit shows her what she's really like. Oh my God, I didn't realize it. God, uh, can you make me clean because I don't want to be dirty like this anymore. Very good. So the Holy Spirit takes Rachel, puts back the, the cloth, the dirty robes, back and takes her to Jesus. Jesus comes. And Rachel <clears throat> kneels down before Jesus and says, Can you forgive me? I need to be made clean. Jesus says, 
I am not going to wash your dirty robes. I am going to throw them away and give you a new robe of righteousness. Stand up. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Give them a big round of applause. And then the Holy Spirit goes with Rachel and sits down with her because the Holy Spirit's with her always. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) So a big round of applause for them. (laughs) We just practiced that on Wednesday night. (laughs) So I hope that gives you... I know it's a bit busy and messy, but I hope that gives you a new understanding of who we are when we, when we become Christians. All of, the, all of the dirty mistakes, the things that we have, are, are thrown away. They go away, and we are given a new robe of righteousness. We become the righteousness of God. And that means that before God, we have a new standing. and He looks at us in a completely new way. He puts that gift of righteous, Jesus' righteousness on us, and that happens the day that we're born again. It doesn't happen as we grow into more mature Christians and we do things because we can ever, never earn the righteousness of God. It's a free gift that's given in that moment. The moment you're born again, you stand before God um, with a new nature, a new born-again spirit, and forever and forever and forever, you'll never be more righteous than you are at that moment. That moment, everything is done so that if you die in that moment, you'll go to heaven because God doesn't, doesn't, looks at you with such love. And this is a, such an important revelation that we need to have as Christians, that we have that new standing before him and that God sees us now as his children. Just as Greg, Greg said, welcome to the family of God. We're now in the family. We're his children. And he loves us so much, and, but he loves us as much as he loves Jesus Can you imagine that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? That's such a a truth that we just can't quite get in our heads. It's so difficult. And I pray this morning that we'll have a revelation that Jesus loves us, that God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. A lot of Christians never understand that. And because of that, we live, we can live very, very poor lives before our Father God. As born-again Christians, we're alive to God. We're enjoyed by him. He's always glad when we come to him. Romans 6, 17, 6, 11, sorry, 6, 11 says, describes that. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. So dead to sin. All of our sin is gone. Just like Paul, he threw that, the robe away. Jesus throws all, the, all of the, the things that we've done wrong away. We're dead to sin now. And we must count ourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, our bodies have five senses. We can see, we can smell, we can taste, we can touch, and we can... I can't remember the other one, smell. I don't... Well, never mind, I forgot one. Um, so, but, and that's what we've been given. God has given us five senses. But he's also, as we become a, a, a spiritual being, when, our, when we become a Christian, our spirit comes alive, and so that we can communicate with God's spirit. Until then, our spirit is dead in sin, 
Until we become a born-again believer, our spirit was dead in sin. But as we become a Christian, our spirit comes alive, and our spirit can now communicate with the spirit of God. The miracle of new birth, our spirit is joined to the Holy Spirit and filled with supernatural life. We were created with the spirit so that we could relate to God. But until we become a born-again spirit, it's kind of suppressed. And, but then it comes alive. And then we can communicate directly with God. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, But he who is joined with the Lord is one, is, is one spirit with him. Isn't that an amazing verse? But he, you, are joined to the Lord and you are one spirit with him. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit, one spirit. That's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And it blows my mind to think that my spirit and the Holy Spirit can communicate with with each other. My spirit is one with his. So we need to learn how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. We need to develop our spiritual lives and to, in order to live according to the Spirit. And when we do this, our, the choices that we make move from preferring those things in the natural experiences to preferring the things that please God. When I became a Christian, it was 10 years ago actually this year, um, I had many things that were really bad in my life. And one of those things was that I was a, I was a smoker. And I know... I've heard it say that, um, you know, smoking's not a terrible sin. It's not going to prevent you from getting to heaven, but it might get you there a little bit quicker. <laughs> um, but I, when I became a Christian, I smoked, and I really enjoyed smoking. I, that was, I, I loved smoking. But I knew that God didn't like it. He never said, you must give up smoking. But I think he said, well, I prefer it if you... I really prefer it if you didn't smoke. But I struggled and I didn't give up smoking um, for two, almost, just over two years. So I was a Christian and I was smoking. I was a heavy smoker. I was smoking between 20 and 30 cigarettes a day. And, um, but I, and I kept praying and I, kept, I, I knew it was wrong and I didn't want to smoke. But my spirit was weak in those days. It wasn't strong and I, but it was something I really struggled with. I didn't want to be a Christian and smoke. But my, my body was addicted to the, to the nicotine. And so every morning I'd get up and I'd have a cigarette. And I'd feel like a failure. I'd feel like I wasn't, wasn't a very good Christian. But I prayed and I kept trying to give up and I couldn't do that. And, and then one Sunday I went to, to a church. And uh, uh, there was a, a guest speaker not it wasn't this church it was a different church there was a guest speaker and he preached a great message and then afterwards completely unrelated to the message he said if for anybody who would like to um like to come forward to be have addictions in their lives broken to come forward and receive prayer so I went forward I had a, an asthma attack the night before and I really thought I might die so I really <laughs> I did run to the altar and as I did that, there were lots of people there. I was nowhere near this man, and he prayed. And it was the most incredible experience I'd had up until then with God. The, it was just like an electric bolt went through my body for about a minute. And 
from that moment on, I've never wanted a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never had that desire. And remember I said that I really enjoyed smoking. It was, it was, and it's just amazing. And as I've been thinking about this message, I just think that what happened in that moment was the Holy Spirit was one with my spirit, but my spirit wasn't very strong at that time. But it's like he infused my spirit with such power in that moment that, that it broke that addiction and my spirit rose up in that moment and said, no more, I'm in control now about this issue of smoking. And you, you body, you can, you know, you can just submit to what my spirit wants because now I'm not going to be a smoker anymore. So it's an, an amazing story. I know that other people have, uh, you know, they became a Christian and they, they didn't, they stopped smoking it in that time. But this is something that, you know, God deals with us all differently in different ways and in different times. So, what do we need to develop our, our, our spiritual lives in order to be strong in the spirit? We need, to, we need to believe that we need a strong spirit. If we don't believe that we need a strong spirit, then we're not going to push ourselves. There's always going to be a war going on between our body, our soul, and our spirit. The body wants what it wants. The soul wants what it wants. The spirit wants what it wants. And we need to make sure that we're spiritually strong so that our spirit, which is, which is the same as God, will be the one that overcomes. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If we live by the spirit of God, if we allow our spirits to be strong and measure up to what the spirit of God wants, then we'll no longer live by what our sinful nature desires, but what, what the spirit of God wants for us. I also believe that, um, that we need to develop our spiritual lives in order to fulfill the call that God has for each one of us on our lives. You know, we're all here and we might think, well, God hasn't got anything special for me to do. But that's not true. The book of Ephesians says for each one of us, every believer, that God has prepared good works for you to do in advance. And over your life, there are things that are spoken that that, that God has for you to do. And in order to fulfill those, you have to rise up strong in your spirit so that you can, can fulfill the call of God what he has for you. It might not be to go into the ministry. It might not be to, to, um, to, to be part of the worship group or leadership or of a church, but there are good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, and you need to rise up strong in the spirit so that you can fulfill those things. As many of you know, we recently went away as a youth group to Wales, and a lot of you will know that in Wales there are a lot of hills and um, and compared to Cambridge, which is very flat, it's very hilly. And uh, we heard that there was a co-op in the in the town by where we were staying, <clears throat> and uh, we the guys wanted to go to visit the co-op to buy some different things than they had at the tuck shop. So off we went, quite happily. Off we went, and then we went the long way around to the co-op, well, the way that I thought was the best way to go. Up we went, up this hill, I was huffing and puffing. I'm afraid that I must admit to you this morning, it's very bad, I know, but I don't do any physical exercise. I, I, <clears throat> I could make up lots of excuses, but I'm just lazy, okay? <laughs> I don't do any exercise. And um, I know that's bad. 
So that so when we were going up to the to the car up the up these hills, I was the last one. Udi very very um, kindly kept me company, but I was <laughs> she was slow because of me. Then when we came back down, they found a shortcut, and we're going down this very steep hill. It was just like that. And I thought, oh no, they're going to want to come to the co-op again. And I bet they're going to want to go up the steep hill next time when we come, when we come back. And sure, of course they did. And the second time I thought, oh, I, th- I thought I'm going to have to go the long way around. There's no way I can go up there. I really thought I couldn't. Really. Anyway, I did make it. <clears throat> and in the same way that my body needs exercising to get up those steep hills in in uh, Wales, so our spirits need to be exercised in order that we live a healthy Christian life, and that, that when we come to those choices and those difficult times, that we that our spirits will be the ones that win. So we're going to look at some ways in which we can we can ensure that we do have a strong spirit. Some of these you'll think these are very basic, but they're not a given. Not everybody does all of these all of the time. Okay, so the first one is attending church. That might seem very simple. Well, I come along to church, but by attending church, what I mean is that we get involved in everything that the church puts, puts on. That we're involved in the prayer meetings, that, we're, that we come along to the Bible school, that we come to social events and part, be part of what the church does week by week. Jesus said that his disciples would be known because they love one another. And I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult just to say hello and goodbye to somebody on a Sunday morning and really develop a loving relationship with that person. We need to really come and, and embrace the church if we want to be part of it and, and really um, be so we can come and we can just be part of it. The, the Word of God says that we're, we're living stones being built together. Are we really a living stone of a, a part of King's Church that's really God can rely on and really be built together, be part of the stones that he's building together. So that's my first, first point, really. We need to come and be part of the whole local church, not just sometimes, but all of the time. Another thing we must do is spend time in the Word of God, know what the Bible says. We need to love the Word of God and know what the Word says about us. We'll always be tempted by the devil. The devil is one of his jobs is to tempt us. Another one of his jobs is to intimidate us. But if we know who we are in Christ, if we know like those verses that we just tried to demonstrate here, that we're new creations in Christ, we've been created, the the old is gone, sorry, the old... Yeah, the old has gone and the new has come. If we know that, if we make that a a conversation with God, if we say, thank you, God, you've made me a new creation. You, you've made me righteous before you, before you. If we know that and we put it into our conversation with God and we, and and it becomes part of who we are before God, then when the devil comes along and says, oh, you're nothing, you won't amount to anything, you can say, no, do you know who I really am? I'm a child of God. I'm righteous before him. You get lost. And, and you know, you can rise up and know who we are, but we must know what the word of God says about us. I remember I did a course once, a correspondence course. It was called In Christ's Image. And the t- I remember one of the teachings that's always stuck with me is that um, a, lot of, a lot of Christians can be afraid of demons. But this teacher, he told me, 
he taught, taught us that really what should happen in the spiritual world is that when we're strong spiritually, when we come along, the demons should say, watch out, here comes the son of God. Let's go off and bother somebody who's, who, who doesn't know who they are. But we should know who we are in Christ. And, we, and then the, the devil will just flee from us. Submit yourself to God and the devil will flee from you. Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted scripture to the devil and the devil just had to go. There was no answer. If you know who you are in Christ, if you know the word of God, it's true. Man cannot live by bread alone, but he'll live from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's true. He is our daily bread. We must know the word of God. We must know what the word of God says about us. And then we can truly live lives that are, that are conquering lives. We can conquer you know, you might not have to preach the word of God. You might not, but that you might not come against big things that you have to do in your life. But every day you've got decisions to make. Every day you can be tempted. Every day you can feel like a failure. But if you know who you are in Christ, then you can be, live a life that's a really overcoming life. Hallelujah. The word of God is a strong weapon in the believer's mouth. So my third idea, and this, this is not a comprehensive list of what you need to do to be strong in the spirit. It's just some, some ideas that I have. We need to be with other Christians that we'd like to be like. When I first met Peter, <laughs> I saw a man of God that I wanted to be like. I saw he was a great evangelist, he was a great teacher, a great pastor, a great prayer warrior, and the list could go on and on. He's, he's a great man of God, so it's just as well I married him so I could spend a lot of time with him. But we need to find somebody who, who we admire as a Christian and we want to be like and spend time with them, spend time talking to them. What is it that you do? How come you're so strong as a Christian? What, what can I do to be like you? And we always need to push ourselves as Christians to go, the, to go further and further. It's no good just sitting back and being content with who we are. If we're really serious about the kingdom of God, let's get around people that, that, that can push us, move us on. So this is a verse that I, I remember when I think about Peter. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, when I married Peter, I had a, he became a stepfather of a 15-year-old daughter. My daughter was 15 years old. And, you know, some 15-year-olds can be very tricky. And Peter always, always, always demonstrated God to, to Emily. He, you know, it's, it's hard. It's such a hard situation to come into and be part of because everyone wants, you know, I had my relationship with Emily. Emily had, and Peter didn't have a, much of a relationship with Emily then. And it was just messy. It was difficult. It was hard. But Peter was really, really was the man of God, more, more the man of God that I, than I could have ever expected from him. And I really just want to honor him and just say that he did an amazing job with Emily and still today his relationship with Emily is really good and she's she's moved out but but he still continues to demonstrate the 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 character of father God towards her so that's wonderful and I thank God for him so we need to be around people that are Christians who we want to be like 
Likewise, we want to be careful that we don't spend too much time with people that we don't, who we don't want to be like. Um, the f- uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We need to choose our friends very wisely. We become like the people we spend time with. And I know it's difficult if you're in a habit of seeing somebody that, that you don't really want to be like. But I just want to encourage you today, your diary is yours for you to arrange as you want. You know, you can block out time in your diary to, to say that's me time. And if somebody asks you what you're doing, you can just say I'm busy. You know, the last seven nights I've been out every night and tonight I've blocked out. I'm not doing anything for anybody. nothing's coming between me and my bed tonight I'll be in my bed probably at 7 o'clock but I've been busy and I need some time on my own tonight and I have every right whenever I have free time to do whatever I want with my free time often people that you don't want to be like can be manipulative and you can feel intimidated by them feel like you have to make up excuses and you can think oh well I I mustn't lie but you don't have to do that you can just say no I'm sorry I'm busy and it's none of their business what you're doing so (laughs) just a handy tip there So we mustn't spend too much time with people that we don't want to be like. We also need to develop a personal prayer life. This should be something, talking about diaries, something that comes first in our diaries, not last five minutes squeezed in at the end of the day just because we feel guilty. As Peter said a couple of weeks ago, if we want to develop a, a real a really good friendship with God. We need to spend time on our own with him. If you want to be a friend of anybody, you need to have that relationship when it's just the two of you. And it can be hard at first, developing that relationship with God. I remember a long season, um, quite a long time ago, when I used to get up initially an hour before work every day just to spend time with God because I knew that I had to do that. And it was hard. Sometimes it was It was dark and it was cold and it was just me and God and there was no atmosphere. And sometimes it just felt like it was just me and there was nobody else there. But I had to to put my faith in the fact that God was with me when I got up early to meet with him. And I really believed that that was the time when I really established my relationship with God. And as time went on, it got easier. Just uh, to use an example, every time I walked up that hill in Wales, it got slightly easier (laughs) <laughs> I was never going to win. I was never going to beat Renz and, and, and Greg and Paul going up that hill because they exercise regularly. But every time I, I, I went up the hill, it got slightly easier. And it's the same with, with, with us when we spend, spend time with God. Every time it will just get a little bit easier. We'll get to know him a little bit better. We'll know that he's there with us. And it's, there's not going to be flashes of lightning and he's not going to come down and there's not going to be an angel on the whole anyway but you will get to know him better and you will start to live in a a life of of breakthrough I remember when Peter first when we had our first date we worked I was getting up very early in the morning then I started to extend my times getting up to spend time with God and so because I was doing that getting up very early in the morning I was going going to bed at nine o'clock at night and we're trying to work out how on earth we're going to and we're going to be able to spend any time together because because that was just uh, anyway obviously we worked it all out but um but yeah 
The more time you spend with him, the more time you want to spend with him because he is everything. But you have to, and you have, to have that breakthrough before you get there. Okay, my next point is that it's a great idea as a born-again believer to speak in other tongues. The Word of God says that for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So when I speak in another tongue, you can't understand me. You're not supposed to understand me because I'm uttering mysteries with my spirit to God and I'm speaking directly to God. It does exactly what the Bible says it does, speaking in other tongues. He who speaks in another tongue edifies himself, which means that you build yourself up or you charge yourself up. You're thinking about our spirit. Think about your spirit having a a, a massive electric charge. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful to speak in tongues, but we won't do it unless we believe that that's true. If we start to believe, if I speak in other tongues, it's going to strengthen me. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be different. Then we'll start to do it. But we have to believe that that's true. When I teach treasure kids, um, we have a, I, I always want to know that the treasure kids, that the kids out there know what it means to be a Christian. That's my first question to them every time. What does it mean to be a Christian? I want them to understand it now. It's great if they know the story of David, David and Goliath. It's great if they know if, about Samson and Delilah. But, ha, but they need to know in these days, in these early days, what does it mean to be a Christian? And then, I, and then I also say, do you want to speak in other tongues? They're only, you know, 9, 10, 11. But we, we need to impart everything that we've got to them as early on as possible. And uh, last, well, no, probably a month ago, we had a new member of our, of our treasure kids. And they came along and I was talking about speaking in tongues. I said, do you want to do it? Do you want to speak in tongues? Do you want to strengthen yourself? Do you want to be strong in your spirit? And he said, yes. Yeah, I want to do that. So I said, come on then, one year in Leah, we're all going to stand round in a circle. And you, and it's Leo, <laughs> and uh, I said, Leo, you try and speak in tongues too. And I thought, well, he might give it a go and he might. And I said, it doesn't matter if you can't do it at all. So we're all standing there in a circle, holding hands. And I said, come on, Leo, Leo and one year, you speak in tongues, I'm going to speak in tongues. And Leo, you give it a go. And before I knew it, Leo was speaking in tongues quite fluently, loudly, boldly. And I was thinking, right, well, it's time to stop this now. But no, they didn't want to. They just wanted to keep on doing it and doing it. And praise God, that's what we want in Sunday school. Exciting stuff. Why should we be the ones that get all the fun? They should be getting all the fun out there too. And I long for the day. I long for the day when our young people come up, come to the front with a word of word that they believe in what they want to bring to the church. So it's just wonderful. And last week I, I said, Leo, how are you doing? How are you doing with speaking in tongues? Oh, I do it twice a day. Praise God. Top of the class, Leo. <laughs> that was wonderful. Okay. So something else we could do to strengthen our spirit would be to fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the way Paul, the Apostle Paul, finishes the um, finishes the book of Second Corinthians said, "Have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that we, like I said earlier, He's with us always. He's fused to our spirit. He manifests in different ways, but He's always with us. Sometimes when we come together and we worship, He comes in a different way, but He's always with us. And uh, 
We must get to know him. You wouldn't invite somebody to come and live in your home and then just ignore them. That's rude, isn't it? And, but, and that's what we do with the Holy Spirit. That's what I do with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think, oh no, I haven't spoken to the Holy Spirit for, for three days. That's terrible and it hurts me. And I feel, I feel awful that I do that. But it's because we can't see him. But, but he's, he's as close to us. He's closer to us than anybody else. And we must honor him. We must get to know him. He's with us always. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, he's always with us. And we mustn't forget that. I remember I used to work with somebody and they said, oh, I always make my decisions on, based on thinking, what would I do if Jesus is here? And I used to think, Jesus is with you always. He's with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't think he comes and he goes. Don't think he's just with you when you're just in church. Jesus is with you in the form of the Holy Spirit always. And that's why we mustn't grieve him. We mustn't hurt him. That's why we must live holy lives before God. Because he's always with us. Paul wrote in Romans 9 verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit so well that when his conscience pricked him, he knew that was the Holy Spirit talking to him. And in Acts 15, 28, they, they were all having a council meeting together, the, the early church. And they said, it seemed good to, to the Holy Spirit and to us. They first asked the Holy Spirit, what seems good to you, Lord? What seems good to you, Holy Spirit? And then they said, it, felt, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So they agreed with the Holy Spirit afterwards. Who wouldn't agree with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit brings the very wisdom of God into our hearts and into our mouths. He's the person of God who's with us. He's fused to our spirits and he must be our best friend. We must get used to fellowshipping with him and making him our best friend. So my, my last point that I think is something that makes our spirits strong is fasting. I believe that fasting strengthens our spirits. Fasting is a strange thing that God asks us to do. And I don't really understand why he asks us to go without food. Only I know that it means putting him first. It puts him first. And it's a real sacrifice. Fasting is not easy. It's not easy to do. Maybe it's something to do with the whole thing that when I'm weak, then he is strong. I recently saw somebody's post on Facebook saying that um, if a man thinks of food in his heart when he's fasting then he has already broken his heart and is fast. Well, if that's the case, then I may as well, may as well give up now because when I'm, I, I go through seasons when I fast a lot and I don't necessarily tell Peter when I'm doing it because during the week we can often not eat together and I just want to get on with it. But he can always tell when I'm fasting because I'll be, getting, I'll sit, be sitting on the sofa, I'll have a takeaway menu in my hand and I'll be... I'll be dreaming about Saturday night's feast. <laughs> it's usually pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> so fasting is a mystery. It's something that God asks us to do. And he asks us to do it regularly. In the Bible, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. And it's something that I believe really strengthens our spirits. So if we're going we're gonna to look again at, at Galatians 5.16. The Bible says... So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. Have you ever thought, right, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's like me when I was still smoking. I don't want to smoke anymore. But the time came around and I'd light up another cigarette. I did what I didn't want to do. I did. I went against what my spirit said was a good thing to do. We need to exercise our spirits so that we put our spirit in charge of the decisions of our lives. But we can only do that if we, if we practice some of those things that I've talked about. There are many other things that we can do to be strong in the spirit. But if I think to when I fast, my flesh or my body doesn't think... When, I, when it realizes that I'm not going to eat today, it doesn't think, oh, good, she's doing it again, glory to God. It thinks, no, what is she doing? I want food. And it shouts out through the rumblings of my tummy, I want food. But if I'm, and if I wasn't strong in that moment, if my spirit wasn't strong in that moment, I, I could give up. I could be tempted to eat that lovely baguette with cheese that I always dream about when I'm fasting. I I love cheese and when I fast, I always dream of cheese. (laughs) But I say, I can say no in that moment because I'm strong, because in that moment my spirit is strong and I say, no, I'm in charge. I love Jesus more than anything else. I love Jesus more than any kind of cheese and I'm going to obey what the word instructs me to do and I'm going to make fasting a regular practice of my life. But there can be people that don't, um, that don't exercise their spirits and, and don't end up not living a strong life in the spirit. And what can happen is that you can just end up living a miserable Christian life. That's what happened to me right at the beginning. I didn't have all, the, all, the, all those things in place that needed to be, that made me strong in my spirit. So we could think about somebody that could have, live on the fringes of church and just come to the church sometimes most Sundays but not every Sunday and then you come to church and the worship leader goes oh is everyone glad to be in the house of God today and everyone's going yeah yeah and you're thinking well I just about managed to get myself through the door and then the worship starts going and everyone's jumping around and you think they're just a bit mad aren't they what are they doing I had that experience about a a month ago. I went to a conference just for one day and everyone else had been there for for the week. And I went in and I was like, oh, they're all a bit crazy here. But it's because their spirit's been fed morning, noon and night. And they were all just wild about Jesus. So there are different levels of this. But you can, so you can come into church and you can think everyone's just a bit crazy. But then by the end of the first but by the end of the worship set, you can just about be getting into it and thinking, oh, yeah, it, oh, I, know, I know what they're doing. I, know, I understand again now. And then when the, when the word's preached, you think, yes, I'm really going to do what the preacher says this week. And when the altar call goes, is given, you come up and you get a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. Then you can go home and you say, that, well, the preacher told me to dust off my Bible and read, read the words. So I, I'll do that after lunch. And then lunch comes around and you think, well, well, actually, it's my day off. I deserve a rest. I tell you what, I get up early in the morning and I'll read the Bible then. 
Of course, the morning comes round and the alarm clock blows off and you go, oh, I just snoozed that for five more minutes. And so it goes on and, and that can be the whole cycle of the whole week. And in the end, you've never moved on with God all week. And Sunday comes round and the whole cycle can, can kick in again. You come into church, everyone's a bit wild. You think, oh, what are they doing? And it just ha- you, you can just end up living a defeated Christian life. And it's the most miserable life. Because Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I want you to be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm because he says something very, very controversial. He says, if you're lukewarm, I want to spit, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want to be spat out of Jesus' mouth. I'd rather be lukewarm, I'd rather be cold or hot, but don't be one in the middle because it just ends up, you end up living a, a miserable Christian life. We have to be more than just Bible students. We have to live out the word. The Pharisees, they knew the scriptures very well, but they failed to live them out. I know that if I don't start exercising my body, then next year when we go to camp, that same hill's going to be there. It's not going to have become less steep. It's going to be the, the stones, and I'm not going to have a chance. Well, I wouldn't have a chance of beating them anyway because they're young and, and uh, they're youth, they've got youth on their side. But, I, but they'll have to wait for me. And it's the same for us. If we don't exercise our spirits regularly, our body and our soul are going to win every time and we end up living a miserable Christian life. So I know that in all seriousness, in all seriousness I'm going against everything that the, profession, the professional people tell me. You should exercise your body three times a day, get your heart, three times a week, get your heart pumping. I know that that's true. But, and I know that I'm taking a risk with my long-term health actually. But I think I, my, I, the reason I don't do it is because I think in my heart that I probably might be able to get away with it. I've got away with it all my life so long without exercising. So I think, well, maybe I will get away with it. And that's what some Christians do with their spiritual life. And it's not advisable. And you can ask me next week if I started exercising, but that's probably be no. But it's, but it's stupid. I realize that it's stupid, but it's also... But I, I'm taking the risk with my health. But I'm not t- going to take the risk with my, with my spiritual life. Jesus must be Lord of our lives and we must follow the teachings of his, uh, what he's taught us to do. So those are my points. We need to be really involved in the local church. We need to w- know the word of God. We need to know what the word of God says about us. We need to be with Christians who will push us to be more like them or more like Jesus not to be with people who pull us back. And we all know what sort of, who they are, and we know what we have to do. We need to develop our own personal relationship with Jesus. Speak in tongues as much as you can. Build yourself up. It's true. It's the word of God says it. If we say we believe what the word of God says, speaking in tongues will strengthen your spirit. It's fellowship with the Holy Spirit and make fasting a part of our everyday walk. Just this morning, Roma came up to me and just uh, spoke to me about something, that, uh, a change in his life that just fits so well with what I've been talking about this morning. He told me that three years ago, he first started coming to, to this church. Just wave at everyone so they know who you are, who I'm talking about. Roma came to this church three years ago, um, but last year he didn't come to the church at all. But about a month ago, he's really 
determined to make a real change in his life and, and start coming to the church. And he started also fasting. And when Peter brought people's um, prayer requests to the church, he took hold of that as if it was someone close to him. I don't know if you remember, but uh, we recently prayed for a lady that had a tumor. And Roma really took that to heart, and he was really pressing into God for that person. And then also he works with people who have disabilities, mental health disabilities, and an epi- uh, this man has epilepsy. And so he's really started taking his spiritual life seriously, Roma. And last week he was praying for this chap at work who has epilepsy and and has never walked from his wheelchair. And yes, was it yesterday? On Thursday, this man stood up from his wheelchair for the first time. So it's a wonderful example. <clears throat> so Roma, well done for turning your spiritual life around. That's wonderful.